Eeyore, the old gray donkey, stood by the side of the stream and looked at himself in the water. Pathetic, he said. That's what it is. Pathetic. He turned and walked slowly down the stream for 20 yards, splashed across it, and walked slowly back to the other side. Then he looked at himself in the water again. As I thought, he said, no better from this side, but nobody minds, nobody cares. Pathetic. That's what it is. There was a crackling noise in the bushes behind him, and out came Pooh Bear. Good morning, Eeyore, said Pooh. Good morning, Pooh Bear, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. Why, what's the matter? Nothing, Pooh Bear, nothing. We can't all, and some of us don't. That's all there is to it. Can't all what, said Pooh, rubbing his nose. Gaiety, song and dance, here we go around the mulberry bush. I'm not complaining, but there it is. It's a short snippet of all the uh, wonderful wisdom that Eeyore might give, or cynicism that Eeyore gives. Um, I have, we're continuing our series in uh, the gospel in Hundred Acre Woods, and I've had multiple people come up to me saying, you do an Eeyore? Eeyore's my favorite, which makes me pretty nervous and also makes me question you in some things as well. It's not that I don't like Eeyore. In fact, I do like Eeyore. There is something really just endearing about his sad, gloomy tale and disposition, and he has a wit about him that all throughout the stories, it's like you realize Eeyore is one of the wisest people in the Hundred Acre Wood, but it's really hard to see it because we struggle with Eeyores. I I have to be honest, I have struggled with this sermon. I had about six or seven different ideas, and I was trying to go down these paths, and it just wasn't fitting. For one, I am a little too tiggerish to be preaching about Eeyore, And, and so I always want to make everything happy. And Eeyore's like, no, no, that's not how it works. But I was struggling with figuring out where to connect this into the larger story of God and what this looks like and what this means. And what I came down to realize is as much as I like Eeyore in Hundred Acre Wood, you put flesh and blood on the guy and you put him across my path and I find any reason to escape. Because I don't like Debbie Downers or Negative Nancys. And we've got to come up with an alliteration that uses a guy and not just girls, because guys are that bad too. Whatever it might be, make them up. That's fine. The thing is, you put that person, the person that is always doing the lines like Eeyore does, you put them around your path very, very long, and you're just like, oh man, such a drag. They almost get annoying, and we just kind of want to send them out to pasture. We want to leave them behind. But see, the gospel in Hundred Acre Wood is very different. The gospel in Hundred Acre Wood says that every creature has a place. And the thing that amazes me, Eeyore has a place in Hundred Acre Wood. Not only does he have a place on the map of Hundred Acre Wood, he has a place in the hearts and all the shenanigans and all the things that go on. These other characters are constantly inviting Eeyore to join them. 
and do the things that they do. You know, Eeyore most likely has a mental health illness. Clinical depression would probably be the thing that I would diagnose pretty easy with him, among other mental health illnesses of Eeyore, but he still gets invited. He still gets to participate. His friends don't ask him to pretend like he's happy. They accept him the way that he is with all of his baggage. And I think there's a gospel message in there for us. I think there's something that we can learn. Because if we're honest, the Eeyores of this world have a hard time fitting in. Not everyone sees the world the way that they do. Not everyone sees how they view things. And it's not that they're wrong by being a realist or a pessimist. It's not that they're wrong in that. It's just not normal for some of the rest of us. And they have a hard time fitting in in a very upbeat, lively culture, especially one called the church. Because Eeyores are told to suck it up. Eeyores are told that we can't have any of that negativity here. And in all reality, I think Jesus would have a different message. You see, welcoming the outcasts and the different is not anything new for the church. Jesus showed us in many ways how, to, how he welcomed the outcast and how we should welcome the outcast as well. I'm going to look at just a short little picture of Jesus welcoming the, ask, uh, the, uh, the outcast in Luke 17. We're going to look at this and then dive in further of what the implications are. It says Luke 17, 11 through 19. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw, uh, when, he saw, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. All right, there's plenty of stories that we could look at about Jesus welcoming the outcasts, but I wanted to focus on the ones of leprosy or at least this specific one, of leprosy. Because leprosy in Jesus' time was one of the most terrible diseases. It was actually really a broad-spectrum term to cover a lot of different, what we know different ailments now. But it, is, it was treated the same. A leper was constantly unclean, both physically and spiritually considered unclean. He could not approach within six feet, we can find out from some of the Jewish rabbis, within six feet of anyone, including family and friends. Can you imagine? In fact, Leviticus 13 has a whole like, description of how to figure out leprosy, but it ends with this. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease, this is leprosy, must tear their clothing, leave their hair uncombed, they must cover their mouth and shout, unclean, unclean. As soon or as long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation 
in their place outside of camp. Lepers were literal outcasts. They were cast out, totally ostracized from society. Just try to imagine the anguish that must be going on in their heart. Just try to imagine the burden that they have to bear every day, not just with physical sickness, but the emotional struggle, the mental reality of what's going on. And they did not choose any of this. They did not choose that life. Now, we may not deal with too many lepers in our society. In fact, I have a pretty sneaking suspicion that there is less than 1% of you here, which the odds of that, you know, that's like less than half a person. I don't know what that means. But uh, less than 1% of you here has ever even had contact with a leper. It's just not something that we normally come in uh, contact with. So let's apply this to us. Let's look at who are the lepers in our society, who are the outcasts in our society, because if we're going to understand how Jesus welcomes the outcasts, we need to recognize who they are. So we could look at a lot of different things. We could look at, uh, go, go to any school. Recess time. Go look at the kids playing on the playground. I want to bet that you can find the outcasts of our day. You have some kids that just don't seem to fit in for whatever reason. Maybe they're not cool enough. Maybe they don't dress the right way. Maybe they're just odd. Maybe they're just weird. They're outcasts. Or maybe in broader realms of our society, uh, people have been ostracized and outcast because they have diseases, diseases like HIV or AIDS. People with those diseases not only are cut off from many societies, but also family members, friends, and even the church. There are those that are outcasts for other reasons. They're ostracized because maybe nothing looks different with them physically, but they have a mental illness. They have a mental disability. And these mental illnesses have names like schizophrenia, depression, Bipolar disorder, compulsive or obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress syndrome disorder, cerebral palsy. Oh man, how many Down syndrome? I could name quite a few more, right? And all these people pretty much have a disease or an illness that is not of their own choosing. It's a biological-based condition that has put them in the world, not of their choice. And we, many times, not wanting to know how to navigate it, we have ostracized them as well. You've seen it, haven't you? Whenever someone who's just not normal comes into a normal situation, not everyone knows what to do. We don't know what to do with that. When the Eeyore of our time shows up, and is a little bit different than the rest of us, it looks at the world a little bit differently, we all just kind of back off saying, whoa, I don't know what, what's up with him. We almost let them be to their own devices, much to everyone's detriment. See, contrary to a lot of popular belief, mental illness is not caused by a lack of faith. It is not caused by some secret unconfessed sin or from some parenting style or even a curse of God. It just is. A lot of mental illness just is. 
But as a church, we treat it. Or as a society, we treat it as unclean. And we cast them out. Because sadly, like lepers in Jesus' day, there is a social stigma around mental illness. Or of the outcasts of our world. Notice back in Luke 17 how Jesus deals with this. Luke 17, Jesus is on his way. He's on, his tri- on a trip. He's on a journey. In fact, we see that often in Luke that he is going somewhere from point A to point B, and he gets interrupted often. But that's part of the narrative of, uh, that Luke is telling us of Jesus' life. He could have been on an important you know, mission. He could have been tired, but he still had time. These lepers, they seem at a distance, and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These are words that every one of us should speak. I have to say that there are, there are things that we can learn from the outcasts of our society that really no one else can fully teach us. This is a, a, a truth involved. Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. What's really fascinating about this group of ten is we see that it's a group of ten and it's mixed of Jews and Gentiles. We know at least one Samaritan was involved in this group of ten. This is fascinating because Jews and Samaritans did not play nicely together. There was a huge stigma between the two that they would not have any kind of a relationship together. But isn't it crazy, isn't it interesting how some outside influence, how some struggle or some adversity all of a sudden brings people together. You don't see nine and one at the beginning. Even though leprosy has ostracized them from society, it has broken down another barrier, praise God. They all get healed. That's amazing. They all come together. When we first found out that our little Zoe has cerebral palsy, we didn't know what to do with that at first. We didn't know what that meant. We're still learning a lot of what it means, but I can tell you one thing that I know for sure is there is a community that I never would have understood or been a part of had it not been for my daughter's influence. And it's amazing the kind of community. My eyes are now open for those who are struggling in other ways that I have never noticed before. That community is something akin to what the church should have. I wonder what the other characters at 100 Acre Woods saw differently having Eeyore in their life. I wonder what, how they were able to navigate different things having Eeyore in his life. Yes, he brought some baggage. In fact, quite literally, Eeyore sometimes would bring a rain cloud with him. Who wants that at their party? They did. They wanted it because it meant Eeyore was there. Rain cloud or no, their friend was with them. There's something beautiful about that. See, Jesus, Luke 17, he makes time for these lepers. He doesn't treat them as outcasts, but rather he gives them the opportunity to get back into the group. He heals them, which cures them of the social ostracism that they had. He cures them of the physical pain that they're dealing with. But only being a part of the group can bring them back into the mental place where they need to be. Jesus has time for them and has a pretty strong call in our lives to make time for the outcasts as well. In fact, it's all over Scripture. 
couple places we can look at Psalm 9, uh, Psalm 99. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Whoever the oppressed might be, that might change from time to time. Who the oppressed are might change from society to society. We may not have lepers anymore, but we sure do have oppressed. It may be uh, financially oppressed, it may be mentally oppressed, and it may be any other kind of oppression. The Lord is a shelter for them. Isaiah 1, 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, help Again, the oppressed, and then he's going to define a couple of the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of the widows. As Christians, we are called to put on Christ, or maybe even we can see, as Philippians 2 says, that we are supposed to have the mind of Christ. In other words, we are supposed to see this world and interact in this world like Jesus does. And if Jesus was never found ostracizing people, then we should never be found ostracizing people either. We should never be considered of putting people outcast because this is the direct opposite message of the church. The gospel says you are welcome here. No matter your baggage, no matter what's come, what, what your life has held, you are welcome here. And you don't have to check your rain cloud at the tree when you come in. You don't have to check it at the door. You bring it on here with you because you are welcome here. Sometimes we try to be like Jesus by, by creating an outreach to the outcast. In other words, and I, I don't want to you know, hurt our efforts in, in some of these outreach ideas, but sometimes what we think of, of how to do this is we're going to go to a place where they are and we're going to go do something for them and we don't really want to get too close to them. We don't really want them touching us because we're not comfortable with that. Or maybe just for a time. But I'll tell you, most often than not, when we do those, we have a clear line. You know what that clear line is? Here's us. Here's them. And when we leave, we keep it there. Because we don't want them so near us. We don't want them always with us. We don't want them hanging and cleaning and emotionally draining us. And so we leave it us and them. Can you imagine Jesus saying, yeah, that's how you should do this? Can you imagine Jesus kind of walking in and saying, yeah, exactly, that's what I meant whenever I said, you know, love your neighbor. He said, just love the people that are like you. The people that are normal in your eyes. I learned early on that normal is highly overrated on many levels. The thing that I've also, I want to tie this to is the beginning. How God created us. One of the questions I hear from the mentally ill families is, what did we do to deserve this? What happened in, in creation, I believe in God, so why did God allow this to happen? Well, back in creation, we see that God created everything. And when he created humans, it says something very specific that he said that he breathed his life into them. In other words, we have what is called the image of God in us. All humanity bears the image of God, not just individually, it's not like I can have a full manifestation of God in the image of it, that's in myself. It's actually a collective understanding. 
humanity collectively shares the divine image. Let me put this in practical terms for us. We cannot, we cannot fully bear the image of God whenever parts are in exile, when we have marginalized, outcast parts of the image of God. In other words, the presence of God cannot fully dwell in a church that has no place for the outcast, the mentally ill, the depressed, or the Eeyores of this world. The church cannot fully dwell in the presence of God, cannot reflect the fullness of his beauty without, dare I say, them. But one day I hope the them is no longer a them and it becomes an us. Because we need a community, a full community, that has the normal people and has the not-so-normal people. And we realize that all of us are just simply people. God's chosen vessel to show the rest of this world his love, his grace, who he is. And it starts with us. A lot of us, when we actually get around the differently abled, the outcasts, or even the Eeyores of this world, we find out they have something to teach us. Again, I don't, I don't like uh, picking on my daughters too much, but I tell you, I have learned so much from my little Zoe. I have learned how to see life and people a whole lot differently. I've learned some amazing things from some of y'all who may look at the world a little bit differently. Mental illness is a, has a stigma, but the thing is, one in four families deals with mental illness. We're no stranger to this here. But maybe we can do a better job because when we learn some things, when we work in the trenches together with everyone, your eyes are opened. So maybe Eeyore can help us out a little bit more. He says this, a little consideration. A little thought for others makes all the difference. He's talking about thistles in the, in the context of this story. Most of us wouldn't care one bit about thistles. Eeyore does. Because sometimes it takes an outcast to understand the lowly job of other outcasts. He's right. A little consideration for others. Just a little thought. It makes all the difference. Every one of us can attest to that. Every one of us needs a little consideration in our lives. A little thought in our lives. Now you may never get a thanks. You may never, just like Jesus did with the ten lepers... You know, his track record for people thanking him is pretty poor at this point. He heals nine or ten people, nine of them don't even bother to thank him. But one of them comes back and says, thanks for noticing me. One of them comes back and says, hey, thank you. We don't always do it for the thanks, but we should always notice people, no matter where they're at. No matter what kind of affliction that they are dealing with, what kind of demons are in their closet, or just whatever's going on in their life, in their health, in their spirituality, or in their mind, 
little consideration, a little thought for others. Maybe we should notice them. Or as Eeyore said that morning to Pooh Bear that I read at the beginning, we can't all, and some of us don't. That's all there is to it. May we who can realize that not everyone can. It's not upon me to make everyone like me just because I can. What I need to be concerned about is I don't want to be the ones that don't. I don't want to be the one that can but doesn't for whatever reason. May those of us who can have some consideration for those who can't. And may we never be in the field of the don't, yet always are looking to invite and welcome and to be a part of this community. I want you to know, no matter who you are, no matter what you're dealing with, if you feel like a social outcast, if you feel like a mental outcast, if you feel like an outcast because of your health, or whatever has caused you to look like you are on the other side of the party, I want you to know that 100 Acre Wood had a message for us for that time and continued. It's a message of Christ. You are welcome here. You bring the baggage that you have. We may have to deal with it from time to time. Sure, we may get soaked up by your rain cloud, but we commit this to you. We would not be the community without you. We would not be the church that God desires without you. So this morning, if you just need a hug, this invitation's here. If you need someone who just is going to notice you, hit someone beside you. Say, hey, can we talk? You may not want to come up front. That's fine. You can head to the back. Elders will be there too. If nothing else, know you're loved, no matter who you are and what you bring to the table. Would you come as we stand and as we sing this morning?